The Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Hey, everybody, welcome to the L2 Brothers podcast, episode 62. Are we going to be all right? My name is Sean. I mean, I know I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm not even probably average. I'm a misshapen potato and an oddball. And my name's Laura, and I only really like hearing about people's holidays when they've been awful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here we are, Laura. Here we are. Are we going to be all right, Sean? Maybe not this episode, but (laughs) when we're done, I think we'll be fine. (laughs) I feel like Frank Sinatra should be playing, you know, and now the end is near. I I do feel a bit emotional about it. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. And of course... Uh, we'd have to like fuck around with the room that I've been recording in the other 61 episodes in the day before we fucking record the last episode. So yeah, I understand you've moved rooms to make room for, for baby, baby Sean. And by moving these giant bookcases out of the bedroom, it has totally changed the acoustics of this room. So if I am echoey sounding, I 100% apologize. Oh, that's okay. I'm sure people won't mind. Have you started painting it yet? Uh, we're probably not going to paint it because it's a, an apartment, but we're going to get some... We're doing a, a gender-neutral dinosaur theme for the nursery, so we're going to get kind of probably some, like, dinosaur vinyl stickers or something like that to put on the walls. Oh, that's nice. That's sort of what we did with Sadie's room when she... I mean, not that she slept in it for the first two years, and then we moved house, but we um, we went for... Yeah, we had some sort of stickers of like a lion, an elephant, like friendly, friendly ones, not not real ones, and uh, like a high chart and stuff, and just sort of brightened it up in there. Yeah, we're gonna do friendly dinosaurs and not like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, toughen the kid up real early. Yeah, I know. Make him think that T Rexes and fucking Triceratops got along and were like best friends. <laughs> so the final episode then. Um, yeah. What were you, do you remember what you were doing, like the night or the day you watched it? I was pretty excited to watch it. Um, let me see what day it aired. It was probably. It was the sixteenth of December, two thousand and fifteen. Oh yeah, I was getting ready for uh, Christmas. Yeah, I didn't realize how close it was to Christmas actually, and also I was pregnant with Esther, but I didn't know, so I got my first positive pregnancy test uh, a week later on the twenty second of December. Oh, what a great Christmas gift. Yeah, yeah. It was like I wrapped up the pregnancy test and um, put it in a box and gave it to my parents and there was much. It was like, it was it was a, it was a great thing to do for Christmas. So well done, Esther. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually had a, I did a tweet that night that was retweeted by Sam Bain. Um, I wonder if you'd like to hear what I said that was so good it got retweeted. Of course. Um, so I said... It, they, I think Channel 4 or someone had tweeted something out saying, how do you feel about Peep Show ending? Or like, how has Peep Show influenced your life? So this is what I said. I know Peep Show is a sitcom. I know it's just a bit of fun. But it's been there for me throughout university, through the breakups and the makeups. I've got friends I made through exchanging your quotes in the pub. 
I called my cat's page in Superhands. It means a lot to me, and that is why I know I will shed a little tear at half past ten when it's all done for good. So thank you for making something so wonderful. It was brilliant, it was special, and it was the best thing on the telly. Aww. And who would have guessed that, like, years fucking later, you'd be podcasting about it? Exactly, yeah. But um, that was that was kind of, like, the mood I was in going into this episode of Peep Show. I felt very, like, it was the end of an era. Uh, I think that's kind of how I felt, too. But, I mean, granted, like I said... For me, the show didn't really resonate with me probably in the same way that you did, mostly because I binge watched the whole thing. Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like something that you'd watched over the years. I can see that it's just like a great show that you watch rather than having the emotion attached to it. But it's so strange to think that when I first watched this show I was seventeen, eighteen, and then by the time it ended I was thirty years old and pregnant with my second child like it it spanned such a long time in my life i mean it's really crazy when you think about it how many years that this 12 years is a long time for anybody yeah i was just 18 when it aired so it was it was really was a a sort of a a long period of my life but um it's kind of crazy i don't know in peep show itself i don't know if they i felt like this final episode with with um, jeremy turning 40 was kind of the only acknowledgement there ever was that that much time had passed i'm not sure in the show universe that actually 12 years had passed even though by them acknowledging he was 40 it must have done because they do talk about being in their 20s in the in the early episodes but i kind of felt like time was condensed in the universe do you know what i mean yeah no i definitely i get what you mean yeah i think it was more like six or seven years in their world as opposed to the 12 years we had but then obviously jeremy's 40 in this episode so yeah who knows uh it's maybe like three years passed from the time dobby left to the time (laughs) yeah i mean robert webb how old was was he actually already 40 or let's have a look see how old robert Webb was at the time so robert webb i'm pretty sure was born in 1971 actually let's have a look he was born in oh 1972 so by the time that this aired he was actually 43 so they were kind of stretching it a bit probably yeah he does look every bit of 40 as the in this season i felt especially he looked every bit of 40 yeah i mean i love robert webb and got a lot of time for him particularly you know since he he wrote that book and it's just been like you know it's such a good book and it really it really did sort of change how i viewed him but jesus christ he he ages horribly if you watch season one and then watch series nine straight after fucking hell like it's like the the picture in the attic has gone and he's aged horribly very quickly <laughs> yeah i feel like david mitchell kind of just stayed like eternally young like he gained weight lost weight but he really kind of stayed similar looking do you think that's to do with him keeping his hair do you think it's easier to retain a youthful look when you've got your hair because <laughs> poor robert webb like he just and at least now he's sort of he's a bit like prince william like he's working it he's sort of shaved it off but Obviously, throughout Peep Show, like, he wasn't going to be able to change his look that drastically, so I just felt bad for him that his hairline was going further and further back. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I agree with you that David Mitchell doesn't age quite the same trajectory, but we, I suppose we're, we are to assume they're a similar age. I know that David Mitchell is a little bit younger than Robert Webb. Which is always crazy to me. Yeah, not by much, but by, like, a couple of years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> I'll be honest, I had 
I didn't realize until I watched this episode how much I had forgotten about it. Yeah, me too. I completely... I sort of remembered the end and that was about it, really. I'd forgotten all about the piss drinking. For some reason, I thought that was a different episode. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I did, and it made me laugh when it when it came up. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, that's right, that's, that was this episode. <laughs> so, should we dive in? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think we should for the last time. For we're the gonna... last time, let's dive in. Uh, let's not make this too depressing, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, me again. It isn't like this is the final time. It is the final final time for Peep Show. So our last Peep Show. Yeah, our last Peep Show dive in. Yeah. All right. So we kick it off at a banner printing place, and I was really hoping this was going to be British London, <laughs> but it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It would that would have been really funny actually. Maybe they couldn't get the actor back, but yeah, I would have enjoyed that. We have Mark, and he's just saying. He's talking to this little, like, very scrawny, like, scared-looking guy who says, and Mark just says, you don't have one that just says you are 40 years old? Yeah, he says, um, we have one that says life begins at 40 or 40 today, and Mark just says, no, I want one that reads, Jeremy, you are 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, um, and the employee asks if he needs the old on there, and, and Mark says he does, he thinks it rounds it off nicely, and he thinks to himself that he's going to make Jeremy turn 40 whether he likes it or not. I thought this was kind of a weird character trait of Jeremy in this episode where he's like super scared of getting older. He doesn't want Mark to have him throw him a party where I don't think we've ever really seen Jeremy turn down a party before. Do you think that's to do with dating Joe though? Do you think that because of the age gap that there's a, that's kind of heightened in his mind that he doesn't want to grow old? Because I agree with you that we've never really got that vibe from him before. That's not been a problem in his life. I guess that's probably true, especially because he pretty much says it later. Um, then Mark asks the guy behind the counter if he's got a fax machine. Um, and the fella looks at him like he's, you know, just walked out of 1983. And he says, you know, it's perverse, but he's trying to get in touch with someone for whatever reason, doesn't want to return his calls. But he's not an oddball, it's not worrying. And the guy looks worried. Um, and Mark thinks to himself that it's good to let them know that it's not worrying, so he can't worry. This... But I wondered about this because who's got a fax machine? Like, if you're not a solicitor or someone who deals with, like, documents that, that need that sort of thing, like, who's got a fax machine just in their house? And how did Mark get April's fax machine number? Exactly, unless it was, like, listed, and I can't imagine why it was. Well, you know what, though? They very well could have a fax machine because if Angus is an author, I'm sure he would probably need to fax contracts. I guess that's true, and maybe she works at like a university or a college doesn't she maybe there's a fax machine like in her department perhaps I don't, I don't know i mean i work in a school and there definitely is a fax machine i suppose you could get a fax to me if you wanted to but <laughs> it, i mean like what does mark's fax say that he doesn't mind anyone else in the college reading it yeah exactly well maybe you put a cover sheet on it that said for april's eyes only <laughs> yeah do not read yeah, um do not we move read. we move then on to uh, the next scene in Apollo House and Mark, Jeremy and Joe are hanging out. Mark is thinking to himself that he is kidding himself. April's never going to get back in touch and um, Jeremy and Joe are sitting at the table and um, Joe, Joe is explaining to Jeremy that uh, that they could do this like free, free nights on the row thing and Jeremy's thinking he's so, so tired. <laughs> he yeah. just looks tired. He looks exhausted. He's just thinking must eat toast <laughs> and uh at this point joe kind of is like okay i've got to go and he walks out of the bedroom and 
Jeremy just looks at Mark and he just says, ugh, three-day drug binge. And Mark thinks like, oh, this is your favorite celebration for the birthday boy. And Jeremy looks concerned and tells Mark, you're not planning a party or anything, are you? And Mark says, no, mate. <laughs> yeah, and Jeremy says he definitely doesn't want a party. And Mark says that he's definitely not planning one, so relax. And uh, he thinks to himself, you're going to have a party to remember my elderly friend. <laughs> and um, Jeremy says that this is good because he's told Joe that he's going to be 39 and not 40. And he then goes into this like mad Jeremy maths where he's like, Mark says, why have you not told him you're going to be 40? And he's like, well, because he's 29. And like 30 is, 39 is like 35. And 35 is practically 30. 30 is 20. And he says, you know, and Mark just says, no, I don't understand. So he's like, he's 30 next year for a few months, theoretically. We can be in our 30s together. And Mark says, oh, I think I see. And then Jeremy just starts doing this like 29, 40, no. 29, 39, okay. 31, 42, no. 16, 26, better. And Mark says, you just say numbers now. <laughs> <laughs> what is your what is your opinion on these like 29 and 40 that's okay 29 39 that's okay 31 42 that's okay 16 26 is a little iffy for me <laughs> yeah so i so my the bin burner i got together with him when i was 17 and he was 30 and that was definitely not okay so i think anything where the person is a teenager and you are in your 30s definitely not I think for the most part, like a 10-year age gap is probably fine once you reach about 19, 20. Then once you're in your 30s, I think, I think anything goes. I think you, could, you can be with a 50-year-old and it, it doesn't matter. You know, the older you get, the bigger the gap can be. Have you ever heard the formula on the acceptable age, age range? Isn't it, isn't it half your age plus seven? Yes. That, so that means I could go out with, technically now I could go out with a... Ooh, it's a half it's a half age i could go out with a 22 year old which seems oh i don't want to go out with a 22 year old thanks yeah i could go 25 that would be mm. that would be, but that would feel oh i guess 25 wouldn't be that weird so no we've got t like 22 year old nqts just joined our department and they are they are children they were they were born in the 90s it's weird because some of my coworkers at my main job are just so fucking young and it's weird it's really weird to me like they're you know 25 26 so within my acceptable age range but then i just look at them and i'm like my god we have nothing in common <laughs> we did this thing so as a like welcome to the department for the new people um our head of the department got us to, to email her a picture of us 10 years ago and I can't remember why it was something to do with like that's how long it's been since the curriculum's changed like how much have we changed in 10 years and the curriculum's not moved on and and um we need to move it on and oh thank you oh delicious sadie's just handed me a chocolate lolly she's made me looks mm -hmm. like mm, looks delicious i'll be eating this uh during the podcast um yeah and so we all sent her pictures of us 10 years ago and like for the most part people look the same you know hair color might have changed got a few more wrinkles like i wear glasses now most people changed a little bit these nqts they were 11 years old they were 12 years old they were just starting secondary school it was appalling <laughs> it was like oh my god don't put that don't put that up on a board so i can feel like methuselah <laughs> wasn't into it oh that's so funny really ruined oh my, my day i'll tell you yeah 
Where were you 10 years ago? Uh, I was at a children's soft play area with my best mates for my 11th birthday party. Yeah, exactly. Where were you 10 years ago? I was teaching. This little fella, he was barely barely pubic. Like, he didn't have a hair on his chest. Don't show me that. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. There's um, one of my coworkers. She just turned 21. Uh, I guess about a year ago, she turned 21. And she is just, like, so full of energy. And I was talking to her the other day, and she was like, you know, I, I think I'm only going to go out four days a week now because I, I really can't handle five days a week. And I was like, you go out five days a week? Like, holy fuck. Like, how do you operate on a daily basis? Like, I couldn't do it. I would die. I think I would actually die. Like, if I go out one night of a weekend... It knocks me back for the whole week. Like, I'm feeling it for the whole week. God knows how it's going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. I know. She's always like, Sean, how come you never go out with us? And I'm like, because I'm fucking old. I don't have the energy you guys have. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm I'm fucking Jeremy in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so then Jeremy says he's going to have the most horribly healthy fucking lunch and then do a sit-up and then maybe a press-up. <laughs> and Mark looks impressed because Jeremy is making a sprout sandwich and Mark wants to know if Jeremy's on a health kick. And Jeremy just says he needs the vitamins because he's got to try to keep up with Joe. He's just so full of life. Um, yeah, and then Mark picks up a book that's called The Golden Fountain. And he says it's Joe's. And, and Jeremy says, no, it's his. It's about the beneficial properties of our body's most magnificent product, the human vitamin drink, piss. And um, he says that <laughs> urine is packed with nutrients. And Mark is sceptical. He says, you know, that your body was too foolish to extract the first time of asking. And Jeremy says that why do the Uchimojo people live to be 100? And uh, Mark says it, he doesn't know. Maybe you made it, Mark. And he's like, no, it's because they drink the original vaccine, the watery battery, the mellow yellow. Uh, this part just gives me chills every single time. <laughs> and then uh, Mark asks... Oh, come on, what's next? The Chocolate Factory? And Jeremy just says, no, not the Chocolate Factory. That's horrible. And Mark thinks to himself, okay, well, he's got the book, but he never would actually. And then Jeremy pulls out this like giant mason jar full of, full of piss. And Mark is just appalled because he keeps it chilled. <laughs> I am. Um, so when I was pregnant both times, like, you know, your wife's probably doing this. You have to give urine samples about three times a week like every time you see a doctor they want to test your urine and so I became very au fait with looking at my own urine in those little vials and it is horrible like there's bits in it they sink to the bottom it's vile like that and they've somehow maybe it was real piss in that glass but they've recreated that look very well like it looks disgusting I could I could see them using real legitimate piss <laughs> then Mark says he needs to head off to work um Jeremy says he thought he was off today and Mark says there's an emergency meeting because there's a special project or something he said Johnson seemed very jazzed about it all um, and he says he's going to go and Jeremy says could he be quiet when he comes back please because he's going to pull himself off and sleep for a hundred years uh, Mark says fine and calls him Rip Van Wankel and thinks that he's wasted on him he should be living with Graham Norton and Dorothy Parker yeah this is funny this is a great little put down from Mark Rip Van Winkle and <laughs> Yeah, it is a, it's a little wasted on Jeremy here. <laughs> yeah. Um, we then move to the Met City Bank where Alan 
and Mark and Jeff are. Jeff's back. Yeah, last time we saw Jeff was in Jeremy Therapized way back in, like, Series 7. Yeah. Second episode of Series 7. Yeah, it's been a long time with no Jeff. And he's not really aged today. He looks the same. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta say, I know that Neil Fitzmorris has talked about this, but I really feel like that they kind of dropped the ball on Jeff as the series goes on. I agree with you. Jeff was a great character who I think could have been used better. I always sort of wanted to see Sophie and Jeff get married so that he could be like, I think it would have been great to have Jeff as Lily and stepdad, like in up in Mark's face much more than he was. It was a shame he wasn't better used. There must have been reasons, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I know that Neil Fitzmorris is very um, uh, kind of, I don't want to say bitter because he's not bitter. But he's just, he was unhappy about yeah, it. Yeah, legitimately felt, unhappy about it, I think it'd be fair to say. Yeah. He, I think it was you that told me about that podcast he did like a year ago, right? Where mm. he talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is well worth a listen. So Mark is very concerned because Alan is just like, uh, Alan calls him Mr. Corrigan and Mark is like, oh, do I smell corporate lube? Am I about to get organizationally fucked? And Mark starts looking around and he's like, is that Baker from regional? What is this, Alan? And Alan just looks at him and says, you've just stepped into arena naked and in a matter of seconds, wild beasts are going to fly to your delicate areas and tear you to shreds. Um, Have you ever had a meeting like this where you got called into a meeting, you were expecting one thing and then just got completely blindsided by it? Yes, I did. So I, um, when I was quite a long time ago, I haven't been teaching for very long. And we, um, I was called into the headmaster's office. This was not at the school I work at now, it was a different school. And he was like a really unseen figure. Like you only got called to him if you were in the shit, basically. So I knew that like this wasn't good news. And he proceeded to just go off in my face for about five minutes about professional integrity and how I'd been posting, like been making friends with children that I taught on Facebook and how I've been posting like pictures of them and stuff. And he went on and on at me. I'm not joking, like for a good five minutes without me being able to speak. And then I said, well, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like my Facebook is completely locked down. I've never made friends with a kid. And like at this point as well, I'd been teaching for about two years. Like now I've got, I've got kids I used to teach on there who are now in their twenties themselves. But like, but then that's that's fine. I'm allowed to do that. Like when they get to 20 and you start chatting to them or you see them out and they request you as a friend, that's fine. But then like I had no fr- children I'd ever, ever taught as friends on Facebook. I certainly hadn't been post- posting pictures. So I said this to him and he was like, oh, right. Like went to his desk, looked at his notes and said, oh, you are Laura, not my surname, aren't you? And I was like, no she works in a different department and he was like oh I've got my Laura's mixed up you better go then don't tell anyone about this because like clearly you now know she's been doing this late as potatoes and I was like oh my god and he was fucking useless like I can happily say he is now no longer ahead he's like retired or hopefully living in fucking Morocco or somewhere like away from education. And this was like, this was pretty standard of like the things he used to do. But yeah, I was completely blindsided. Did not have a fucking clue what I was being called in there for. And to like, he was, he was going off at me shouting to the extent that I really thought, 
fuck, like, maybe I have been doing this and I've forgotten. Like, you know, you start to think, am I going mad? Mark is completely blindsided by this and he says, oh, is this about the permanent markers? Because I needed them for projects. And at this point, Jeff walks in and just says, you're getting shit canned, Mark. You're getting fucked by a flagpole in your tiny little vagina. <laughs> Which is a disgusting image, but makes me laugh every time. Um, and Mark says, Jeff, it's our last Jeff, and then Jeff. And uh, and Alan says, yes, he had a rifle through his old address book. And Jeff says, I'm in, and you're out. Um, and Mark is sort of pleading with Alan at this point. He says, is there nothing you can do? And he says, like, sorry, you're contaminated. You're the astronaut with typhoid, and I'm going to stand well back while you're fired out of the airlock. And he explains that it's been brought to his attention that you certified a loan to a friend of yourself ticking the certification boxes without adequate document checks, which is gross negligence, and we are dismissing you forthwith. And I like how Mark kind of plays dumb here, and he's like, uh, I'm sorry, which loan was this? Like, <laughs> Mark, come on, Mark, which loan would this, what other loan would be, this fucking yeah. be? Um, so the... Um, they, they explain, or Alan has explains that Mr. Osborne complained. He said that he believed that the granting of this loan to him was out of proportion with the just working of the universe. <laughs> he does not wish to be responsible for another Greece, and he's claiming mental incapacity due to the influence of the internet, reducing his attention span against his own will, which is great. I might cite that on something. I was going to say, I wish I could, like, when my phone bill comes due, I'll be like, oh, this is... This is out of proportion with the just working of the universe. What the fuck? Um, Mark says that he knows he can get the money back. He knows him. Mark says that he'll jam a biro in his eye and drag him in here today. And at this point, everybody has walked into the room. So we've got we've got Alan, we've got Jeff, we've got Jerry, we've got like the regulatory bodies. Um, and Alan just looks appalled, and he says. Well, that may be your way of operating, Mr. Corrigan, but it is certainly not ours. And uh, Jerry says, I've cleared out your desk, mate. Your wet wipes in your mega puzzler. And Mark is just like, oh, I'm fucking hung out to dry by Jeff, Jerry, and Johnson, a trilogy of shits. I sort of like that Jeff got his sort of final boot in as much as, you know, you don't like Jeff, you're not meant to like Jeff. There was something sort of poetic about after you know because jeff when you think about it like jeff did suffer at mark's hands like he did end up marrying sophie and jeff liked sophie and so he won that and and i kind of enjoy that jeff finally gets his one last like fuck you yeah i like that too it's it's nice to just like you said see jeff get that one last fuck you yeah and um he has kind of a diminished presence as the series goes on especially as dobby kind of becomes his main as especially as Dobby kind of becomes Mark's main love interest and they transition away from JLB credit. But yeah, he's still a great little foil and I've always loved him. Yeah, he is just, we all know a wanker like Jeff and I think, or have known a wanker like Jeff and I think that that's what makes Jeff so funny. It's just like, yeah, we've all worked with that guy. We've all known that guy. He's a prick. And yeah. eventually the prick wins, which is kind of funny in its own way. Yeah, when I worked when I was in the military, I worked with several Jeffs. <laughs> All the Jeffs. Um, we then yeah. go back to Apollo House where we see that Jeremy is asleep, uh, and Mark walks in and wakes him up. He says, "I'm trying to sleep, Mark." And Mark says, "I just want to let you know that I'm now going to punch you on the nose," and he gives him a full-on whack in the face. I love this, and then Jeremy just says, "That's the rule, or are we hitting now?" <laughs> 
yeah, I didn't know we were hitting. Um, and we then sort of cut out into the kitchen where Mark is making toast and he thinks, cold brown, no job, no woman, no jam, just cold brown. And Jeremy walks into the kitchen and thinks, okay, I made him redundant, but he hit me in the face, so we're equals pequals. And I'm so happy to see the return of equals pequals, <laughs> which is one of, as you know, one of my favorite little peep showisms from yeah, the show. Yeah, me too. Great, great little saying, equals pequals. Um, but Mark sort of just ignores him and he thinks, oh, with the silent treatment, for fuck's sake. And Mark says that he loves, thinks that he loves the silent treatment, the cold, impervious wall. I hate the silent treatment. Oh, so much. I do. I hate the silent treatment, and it's like it feels feels really good at the silent treatment. Like Phil could not talk to me for several days, and I can't not talk for two minutes. Like I, I what? have to. <laughs> I have to just like if there's a row to be had, I want to have it. I don't want to be silent. No, I agree with you. Uh, thankfully, neither Nicole or I are are. Uh silent treatment kind of people but oh my god i i've been silent treatmented before and it's i tell you who is the champion of silent treatment is my mom she could she could run in the olympics for it and um and my dad is like me like can't not talk for 10 seconds so he it never works out well but she could not talk to you for like a year if she put her mind to it uh jeremy looks at mark and says oh i didn't want you to get fired i just wanted my extortionate payments paid off and he correctly points out that Mark was the one that sold him the ball-crushing loan in the first place and that Mark started it. And Mark thinks to himself, uh, he's not luring me back in like that with a lovely savage argument. Jeremy, much like you and I, is like, come on, let's have it out. And Mark still continues to be quiet. And Jeremy says, I'm going to make you come out and fight like a man. I'm going to push it to the breaking point. And so he starts asking Mark, can I have some of your milk? And Mark says nothing. And Jeremy starts just filling up this bowl with like a shitload of milk. And Mark is getting really upset about it. But he just is refusing to, um, you know, refusing to give in. Uh, Mark then thinks that he's actually milking him. He's got his hands on my udders and he's actually milking me. Um, and he thinks that, you know, how am I going to get away, away from this, like, this milk thing could go on forever but then the door goes and mark goes to answer it and it is no it's not the door sorry his phone rings and he goes to answer it and sees that it is april and he thinks god save the god love the facts in all the old ways and then at that point the doorbell rings and jeremy goes to answer the doorbell and it's super hands yes it is super hands and he is um saying that he has this is it's over with, with Molly. You need some headspace. He says, you know, that Molly is a beast mate. She's Marmite in the Marge. She's a slob. And then, you know, you're wondering, like, what could be so bad about this? And Superhands just says, my peppermint shower gel just laying on the fucking side, oozing. What's that about? I can't live like that. And Jeremy thinks to himself, wait, he's never smelled of peppermint. <laughs> I am. Um, I laughed at this a lot because I really love peppermint shower gel and peppermint stuff that you wash with in general and phil hates it really hates it can't won't use it doesn't want to smell of mints he says it's odd uh, yeah um Nic nicole has started ordering this shampoo from some like it's like one of those uh it's one of those like uh monthly mail order places right yeah 
And um, it, it lets you make custom shampoo and conditioner, and it smells so fucking good. Oh, that sounds really good. What what flavors does she go for? Oh, man. Uh, I think this month's is like peppermint spice, or um, not peppermint spice, pumpkin spice. Um, she did like a summer mixture that smelled like fresh cut grass or something like that. So it's like just a lot of really good s- smelling stuff. I um I like coconut as well. That's my other favorite smell to go for coconut, and they do one over here now that smells like um marshmallows, which again feels as you smell like a cake. Like I don't understand why that's something you'd want to smell of, but I like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Superhands then asks if Jeremy's all right, and he says that he's fine. He's knackered, uh, but he's just been on a three day bender, and then Mark got fired of me, and he couldn't sleep because of the guilt. Uh, now he's not speaking to me, but j- just like Superhands is is still talking about Molly, and he says she piles her dirty socks in the basket, even though it's already overflowing. And I'm like, what do you think it's gonna eat? It's gonna eat him like the fucking Cookie Monster love. And uh, Jeremy thinks shish hands. I'm trying to think about myself here. Nicole and I do this with the trash can sometimes, where like neither of us wants to take the trash bag out, so right, you just keep yeah. like yeah. stuffing the trash down, stuffing the trash down until it gets to the point where you just can't stuff the trash down, and you're like. Fuck. <laughs> I um so I don't I have no part in the bins in this house. Like that is a as far as I'm concerned, that is a fill job. And he deals with all the bins, uh, and he moans about it constantly. But yeah, I also do the the pushing down so I don't have to admit the bin needs changing. Jeremy tells Hans that he's trying to think about himself and um they walk into the living room and Jeremy looks at his jar of piss and he says, Mark, did you piss on my piss? Because this piss looks funny. I don't mind drinking my piss, but your piss, that's over the line. Yeah. And we see Mark in the background on his cell phone, and he says, okay, I understand. Thanks for calling. Goodbye, April. And then he kind of walks into the um, living room, and he just collapses on the creamy elephant. And Superhand <laughs> says, are you all right, mate? And, or, excuse me, Jeremy says, are you all right, mate? And Mark looks at Superhands and says, Superhands, will you please inform your friend Specimen A that I'm not talking to him? Yeah, and um, and then um, Superhands is like, it's Molly, it's fucking bits, and, and Marx is likewise, April's gone back to her husband for good, it's over, everything's over, um, and Jeremy says that he's sorry that his life is ruined and it's partly his fault, and uh, Mark says, is there a, a buzzing, an irritating, backstabbing sort of buzzing, and Jeremy says, don't be such a wanker, um, and Mark says he wanted his loan written off and he succeeded. But he lost his best yeah. friend in the process. <laughs> I love that when he's like, but he's lost his best friend in the process, like <laughs> really just driving this shit home, how hurt he's... Uh, yeah. The Superhands continues to talk about his failed marriage at this point and says that Molly's enders and he's Cory. Cory till, till he dies. It's a sign, isn't it? You've got to choose. You can't be City and United. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the enders Cory joke? Uh, so there's the two main soap operas in this country are EastEnders and Coronation Street. EastEnders set in the south and Coronation Street set in the north. And normally, normally you prefer one or the other or grow up watching one or the other. Uh, we're we're definitely a Coronation Street house, despite not being in the north. We're with we're with Superhands on this. Ah, okay. And then I got, of course, I got City and United. I yeah. got that joke. Yeah, and I got the sports related joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then Mark says to Hans that 
he needs to shut up because as we speak, the love of my life is buying cruise tickets with her husband on the high street with the intention of sailing away forever. And I'd very much like to sit here and watch a property-based reality show while she does it. And Jeremy says that you can't just sit here feeling sorry for yourself. We've got to go and stop her. And he, Mark says, if he wanted to stop her, the last person he'd ask for help is the most thoughtless, selfish, venal idiot I've ever met in my life. And Jeremy thinks, well, at least he's talking to me like I've won here. And he says he's going to be Mark's love butler. Um, we're going to go and spy in case there's something that could be done. It's better than having a cry in a cornetto. <laughs> yeah, this part's really funny uh, where Mark is finally cracking a little bit. Um, I was going to ask you, what is your favorite property-based reality show? Oh, I love location, location, location. I don't know if you get that over there, but the premise is, so Phil and Kirsty are like two property moguls, both pretty intolerable, and they go and help people with seemingly endless amounts of money from bizarre jobs. Like It's always like, oh, I'm a dog groomer, and I, like, I'm an artist, <laughs> and we've got a budget of... Eight hundred thousand pounds, you know, in the countryside. What can you find us? And they find them houses, and the spoiled rich people go around saying, "Oh, I'm not sure it's not got a jacuzzi." And just everyone on it is hateful. And the <laughs> best thing about watching it is shouting like you're a wanker at the screen. What about you? Um, I like. Uh, um. Oh my god, what's the one where they move out to the country? You didn't. You, I was going to say, didn't you and your wife have, get heavily into Escape to the Country for a while and thought? Yeah, every, Escape to always, the Country. Thought, yeah. Thought, English people lived in mansions. Yeah, I, I also really enjoy um, Property Brothers, but it always like fucking trips me out where these people are like, uh, "My name is Steve. I work for a nonprofit," and you know his wife is like, "My name is Jill, and I work with a, uh, you know, I work in a autistic dog small, yeah, I work with as a dog walker," <laughs> and they're like, "And our budget is like three hundred thousand dollars," and. You know, they're like the houses that they are looking for. I'm just like, holy shit. Like, maybe Nicole and I will get lucky and get a house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes me proper cross because it sounds that sounds like exactly the same um, premises location, location, location. And w especially when, like, we bought this house for like 400k and in London. So it's bought like virtually nothing. Like, you know, you can just about turn around in this, this third bedroom. And then they go out into the country and it's like, oh, £400,000 will buy you this, like, it's a six-bedroom mansion. It's got a barn extension. You could, you know, you could, it's got five acres of land with it. And you think, fuck this, why am I not living out in rural Worcester? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Nicole was looking at houses in, like, France, in, like, rural France and, or something like that. And she was like, do you want to move to rural France? And I was like, oh, I don't mean." <laughs> sure but i don't know what we're gonna do for money out in rural france that's the problem isn't it is like yeah you we earn london wages so you pay london prices and you, you get like it just it just seems so unfair like because people talk about going to london and being like well you choose to live in london i didn't choose to live here i was born here like if i leave i've got no one like all my people are here. It's not like I've come here thinking like London sounds good. Anyway, so on to the next scene. We're in Superhands' van and we have Jeremy Mark and Superhands. And I really love this little callback with the three of them in the van. Yeah, they're men with van once more. Um and yeah. they and uh the Jeremy says that Mark says Oh sorry. Mark um, says Sorry, go on. Oh, Mark just says to 
Jeremy, I haven't forgiven you, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jeremy points out that he knows, and he Mark doesn't have to tell him after every sentence in Mark's. But Mark says, I just want it to be clear. And Jeremy points out, yes, it is clear. Yeah. And um, they say that Mark needs to be ready to get April on her own and tell her how he feels. Yeah, and um, and Superhand says, and this is quite prolific for Superhands, that love's hard, mate, fucking hard, doesn't work, breaks, but you've got to give it a go, haven't you? Norwich are never going to win the league, but they still turn up every week, the pricks. Um, and it's something really beautiful about that. He sort of summed up what love is a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy says to Mark, if he wants, he could try and get in there, waggle the old cock about. And Mark just is like, what? As in? And Jeremy just says, I don't know. Maybe try and make Angus fall in love with me. Fuck him if need be. And Mark just looks appalled and just wonders, why does every solution Jeremy comes up with in life involve fucking someone? And Jeremy tries to defend uh, it. Yeah, he says, do you think they sit around in the cabinet talking about sending Philip Hammond over to fuck Alond to sort out the Euro? And uh, Jeremy's just like, yeah, well, it would, might work. Yeah, and Superhands is like, oi, Godly and Krem, they're on the move. And uh, they look. Ex- Mark looks excited because the body language doesn't look great. And um, we see Angus and April walking in different directions. And Jeremy starts pumping up Mark, and he's like, closing time in the last chance saloon. Mark, time to grab your nuts and go splurge. And Mark is just like, oh, fuck, I'm going to do something. And then he leaps out of the van and goes running after um uh april yeah and uh i love this bit because because jeremy shouts out be the canary and superhand says yeah go the full fucking delia and mark says i don't know what you mean you and everyone else mark and uh and jeremy just says you go girl and mark shouts back this still doesn't mean i've forgiven you and he sort of (laughs) runs off and uh, jeremy says oh he's so fucked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I love this part and uh mark comes running after april and he's like april april and uh he's like oh look we just happen to be in the same area like how we fucking weird each other. and she says no you ran around the corner after me um and he says okay could we go and grab a coffee for five minutes i've got a couple of things i need to say to you uh, and they walk into a coffee shop and the next time we see them they are sitting at a table yeah, and uh, Mark is thinking to himself, like, got the coffee, disregard the price. The price of coffee is irrelevant. And I agree with him because, man, the price of coffee is, like, fucking absurd in these little boutique places. To be fair, it's pretty absurd even in, like, a Starbucks. Like, we had this yesterday, so I wanted a coffee. And Phil's just recently got into coffee because he's, like, a big boy now. And um, he probably just means he's reached the age at which he's tired all the time. And um, we went... We were out like shopping with the girls and we went to get coffees to go. And it was like eight quid for two coffees. Phil was like, how a coffee costs so much? So I felt this line keenly when I watched it this morning. Uh, it can be a little, it's a little crazy how expensive it can be to get coffee. Like yeah. I remember one time we went to Starbucks and I felt like we spent like $75. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You start chucking cake in there as well and you need a mortgage. Um, yeah. And Mark says he doesn't know how they can charge so much, uh, and he thinks, ah, hello, Dad, you're living inside me now. Yeah, and um, I guess it's also will be important here to um, point out that the last time where we left Mark in April off with, it's kind of a weird spot. Uh, it was with the when they were going off to get a wine after the uh, soft play, wasn't it? Uh, well, no. Uh, he, 
April had seen Sophie and she had stormed out of the soft play. Oh, of course, that's right. So they were going to go and get one and then saw the ball pit witch. Yep. Saw the ball pit witch. <laughs> um, Mark, you know, Mark says, uh, or excuse me, April says, so yeah, the flight's at midnight to Athens. Um, the ferry leaves tomorrow to all the islands except Corfu. And Mark is like, oh, why not Corfu? And um, in his head, he's like, he asks innocently. And April says, because that's where Angus had his affair. And Mark says, oh, because I'm sorry, I'd forgotten. Yeah, he says, sorry to drag that up again, all the resentment, but he's clearly not sorry. <laughs> and then we get a very genuine moment from Mark. And he's, Mark says to April, he says, I just wanted to say to you before you go, and if you want me to stop, just say it. But yeah, I basically think that you're just so funny, clever, and brilliant, and I'm really sorry if that makes things difficult. But I think it's only fair that you know that I think we'd be great together. I mean, I know I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm not even probably average. I'm a misshapen potato, an oddball. And in his head, he's like, come on, feel free to disagree here. I'm mean-spirited and really only like hearing about other people's holidays when they're disastrous, but I really like you. And in fact, all honesty, I love you. Oh, and it's, I remember the first time I watched this being like, oh, actually, that's a little bit heartbreaking because Mark is, he's a very vulnerable character in lots of ways, but he very seldom makes himself vulnerable to other people. And the fact that he sort of lays it on the line with April is quite out of character. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent that it is this is this seems like a very out of character um deal for for Mark. The closest time that I can think of this is when he sings to Sophie out at um <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh god, at, I'd forgotten uh, about that. When is oh, what's the name of the fucking dude's house that they're at? Oh I can't remember is it no, it's not Joe because it's Joe. And I can't remember. He's the guy they meet at Rainbow Rhythms, isn't he? That he has a he has a girl's name for some Ge- reason. I feel it, like it's Gail. Is something I was going to say? Is it Gethin? Is it something Welsh? Gwyn. Gwyn. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is like the most vulnerable Mark has ever made himself since over at Gwyn's house when he sang to Sophie. Yeah, which is horrible. I may be right. I may be wrong. Oh god, it's making me cringe just thinking about it. See, it's fun. I we should, I wish we would have talked about this episode with each other because I actually think it's very sweet and genuine. It is very sweet and genuine, but Sophie doesn't like it. So it makes it, it makes it horrible. You know, I think I think if you're going to sing, if you're going to put yourself out there to sing, that the person that is being sung to should not judge you on the quality of your singing. That's definitely true. I mean, I'm not much of a singer, as you heard there, but um, I, I, don't know, I, nothing's worse than singing and then someone's telling you your shit at it. That's that's terrible. Oh, uh, Nicole hates my singing. Phil's got a dreadful singing voice. I tell him often that he's got a horrible. He, he's like he can't tell he can't tell what's in tune and what's not. So if you ever watch like a reality TV show where they have to sing, he sort of turns to me and goes like, "Was that in tune?" Because he just doesn't. He can't hear it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh poor guy. Mm. I um, yeah. I mean, I'm not much of a singer, but I have on occasion sung in public, and no one died. But um. Yeah, just that it's all it's so you're so vulnerable when you're singing on your own, I think. There's a vulnerability about singing, you don't need someone to tell you shit at it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. Um April then says it was really weird the last time they saw each other because she was because you were burying your wife in a pit of balls and Mark is he adds ex wife. He just wants that on record ex wife. And he was more yeah. hiding than burying, but point taken. 
Um, she says the truth is that she do- does have feelings, but it's not been easy with Angus. And they've just had a mini row because he didn't want to spend an extra £300 on a cabin with a porthole. She says, if you're going to be on a boat for three months, you want a porthole. And Mark agrees, but actually he's thinking 300 quid piss straight out of the porthole. Correct call, Angus. <laughs> have you ever been on a cruise before? I have. So we went on a cruise for our honeymoon and we spent like half low like less than half a few nights anyway in a cabin without a porthole and then we upgraded and it was the best thing we did like it was the difference between being in a cell and actually having quite a nice time have you ever been on a cruise i haven't i was going to ask you if uh what your opinion on the porthole versus yeah, no porthole the, just... the thing about the ones with no porthole is how confusing like night and day is and especially if you're traveling across time zones anyway it's really could be and like on cruises as well to like in the morning they have like announcements over a loudspeaker that goes into your cabin to tell you like the local time and where we're docking and like breakfast will be served at this time and if you've got no natural light in there and you're asleep fuck that's that's jarring when you wake up to the announcement and you don't know what time it is yeah see i don't think i could handle that i'd have to have one with a porthole yeah i am um, I actually got concussion on a cruise because I, so in the cabin that we moved to with the porthole, we, um, it had a shelf like above the bed and it was, it was higher, higher than you should be able to smack your head on, but clearly not high, not high enough. And I'm not even, especially that tall, but I sat up and banged my head on it and I felt really ill and I was sick and I had to go and see like the doctor on the boat. And he was like, oh, I don't know, like you've been sick, which is not a great sign, but you're you're walking in a straight line and your eyes aren't like dice. And then when we got off at the port, I had to go to the doc- like to a hospital and I had a concussion from banging my head on a boat, which is just the most stupid injury. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my honeymoon. I got a concussion. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you were okay. <laughs> yeah, I was fine. Just embarrassed more than anything. Oh my god, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> um, so then at this point, April gets a text message, and she's looking at the text message, and she says, oh, it's Angus. He's been having a think, and he's not sure we should go on this cruise. And Mark is trying to be excited, and he's like, furrow the brow, furrow the brow, try to hide the smile. And then April continues and says, apparently he now wants to go to Ibiza alone. (laughs) And Mark is kind of shocked alone. And April says, and then it says, see you, do what the fuck you want, goodbye. (laughs) And Mark is like, oh my god, this is like Napoleon invading Moscow and the Tsar's fucked off to Ibiza. I've conquered the whole of Russia. I've only gone in one. And he's really excited about this. Uh, Yeah, I also really like the idea of... um angus in ibiza just like living it up because it's like the party island um and just him raving and ibiza is just such a funny image um <laughs> i the first time i saw this i actually che- i remember cheering i remember being like fucking yes like i was so pleased that mark had won um and he i felt mark's joy with him and we move into the next scene where mark 
comes into the flat and he's all buoyant and he's, you know, he's happy and Jeremy says what's going on and he says everything's coming up roses. April and I just had an overpriced coffee and did it in the toilets. She loves doing it in toilets. In fact, 100% of the times we've done it, we've been in toilets. I can't wait to do it in a bed. And Jeremy says, uh, it will be amazing. And Mark says, but the big news is that Angus texted to say he's fucked off to Ibiza, of all places, leaving the coast clear for me to go off with his wife on the cruise. Me and April, April and me. And Jeremy's like, that is so good. I'm so happy for you. You completely deserve that. And, um, and Mark says he knows that things have been difficult between us for the last day or so, what with the punching and the blanking, but you're a good friend, although I haven't totally forgiven you. And Jeremy says he wouldn't have expected anything less. Yeah, at this point, they then do kind of the little L dude honk. And, and for one of the first times, like they're both kind of enthusiastic about it. Yes, yeah, and, they're, um, they're both genuinely happy. Yeah, and then we hear from Jeremy's bedroom, which the door is closed, we hear a like a moan like, Oh and then we hear Superhand saying, Shut the fuck up. Mark um, looks is Mark flips instantly and is like, What was that? And Jeremy just is very excited and he says, I've done something brilliant, Mark. Yeah, he says he knows it's his birthday and not yours, but he's got a lovely present to say sorry for making you lose your job and never paying any rent and falling in love with Dobby for everything. And it's Angus. Angus has been kidnapped. And the first time I watched this, I laughed so much. I remember me and Phil just being in hysterics because I really didn't see it coming. Like, I hadn't for a second thought they'd kidnapped Angus. And it really surprised me in a good way. Oh, yeah. I thought this was super goddamn funny. (laughs) And um, Angus is, like, clearly been a bit battered. And... And Mark says, Angus, are you okay? And he says, it's fine. He wanted to come, but could I possibly have a glass of water? And uh, he then says, they said they were going to chop my penis off and put it into another orifice. And Jeremy says, oh, Angus, shush. It was just bants, mad bants. And <laughs> Angus says, they said they had a sock with a rock in it. They made me drink urine, Mark, human urine. <laughs> yeah, but we find out that they didn't actually make him drink the urine that... Uh... He um, just grabbed a, a jar of it and gulped it down. Mm. He was thirsty, so he greedily gulped from a bottle that happened to be from the golden sauce. Um, and Angus asked Mark if he would let him go, and Mark says, you must know that I had nothing to do with this. Um, and Superhands walks over with a glass of water and says, there you go, you naughty monkey, drink it nicely this time. Don't gulp it. Um Mark turns to Jeremy and says, so you sent the text. And <laughs> Jeremy says, yeah, he was worried that Abitha was a bit much. And Mark says, yeah, a bit much. What the fuck have you done, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's really funny. And uh, Jeremy just, and Mark is like, oh my God, oh my God, this is bad. This is so bad. You've gone and kidnapped Angus. You've gone totally loopy. And... Jeremy just says, um, well, really, did I kidnap him or did I invite an unstable oddball for a lift in Hans's van, then back here for a snifter, then he accidentally got locked in my bedroom for a few hours. It's our word against his. Yeah, and Mark says, no, this is really bad. Jeremy says, it's brilliant and it totally worked. You're back with April. And Mark says, yeah, until she finds out. And he says, what's the long term plan here? Jeremy says the long-term plan is sucky-fucky, and Mark says sucky-fucky is not a long-term plan. To which Jeremy says, you know, the cruises for months, you just chuck a phone off the boat on the first day, butter fingers, and then you work on her, cement things. You're in pole position now. Yeah, and Mark says, well, that might work. She does hate her phone. (laughs) Mark says, I think we should let him go and take the hit. And 
he and Jeremy says, no, Mark, sail off into the sunset and let your love butler take care of business. He says that there's always a dark side to love. Someone's <laughs> always going to get a little bit of kidnapped. And then at this point, the doorbell rings and Jeremy just says, oh, who's that? And Mark is like, oh, fuck. And he just looks at Jeremy and just weakly says, surprise. <laughs> Jeremy says he told you he didn't want a fucking surprise party. And Jeremy says, I just thought you were hiding your true feelings. And Jeremy says, when have I ever hidden my true feelings? Um, at this point, Superhands comes out and says, history man's getting a bit wriggly. I think he needs restraining. Um, and Jeremy says, give him a poke. And sorry. Um, yeah, Jeremy says, give him a poke. And Superhands says, I'm not going to give him a poke. He's not a fucking hired goon who's on shift. Mark and Mark says, he isn't doing a shift. This is mad. And, uh, oh, this is, yeah, this is quite funny. Then Jeremy says, you're the British people. We're Blair and Bush. Do the retention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah, this part's really funny. Um, so now we get kind of like the montage of characters that are coming to the party. Yes, and I was upset not to see some more old faces here because I, what I think would have been really funny would have been of like Big Sue's and... Dobby and you know maybe maybe some characters we've never seen before like Paige. I would like to have seen a better selection of people because this is a ship ship selection. Yeah, I agree with you. It it would have been yeah, it really would have been amazing if we had seen some more older characters. But we got to see uh, first we see Megan and um, you know she's like oh you know she walks in she looks at Jeremy and she's like hello Jeremy. And Mark just says, oh, come on in. Thanks for coming. Put that in the fridge. Jeremy just is like, why did you invite her? She hates me. I stole her boyfriend. (laughs) And Mark says, well, I'm sorry, but when I was doing the invites, it became clear that you betrayed everyone you've ever been close to. And that's why the majority declined, which was like a nice little way of writing out that that a lot of the people from the past weren't going to be here. And to be fair, he has betrayed everyone he's ever been close to. So that's not untrue. Um, I really... The two people I really would have loved to have seen would have been Nancy and Tony. Oh, yes, that would have been brilliant. Yeah, Nancy and Tony would have been great to be there. Um, then uh, <laughs> Molly comes over and says, hello, Jeremy. She says, oh, hi, Molly. And she says, happy birthday, I guess is what you're meant to say. And uh, and Mark says, I wouldn't say that we were scraping the barrel here, but you've just not been great at keeping in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um Next, Joe comes in and he says, oh, Jez, you look pretty tired. And Jeremy just says, oh, well, I'm, I'm definitely not. And Joe announces that he got Jeremy a great uh, present. It's tickets for his dream trip. They're going to leave after the party, dance till dawn, party bus, to Derby, party bus to Derby, night out, fly to Belfast, rave, get on the party boat to Bristol. Yes, it really exists. <laughs> we stay up for a week and insinuates they're just going to be taking lots of drugs to stay awake. Yeah, he says, stay up for a week, no sleeping at all. And, and Joe explains that they'll have a few naughties to keep them going, but we can sleep when we're dead. And Jeremy thinks which will be within the week. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Mark sort of gets everyone round to say happy birthday to Jeremy. He says, uh, 39 today is a uh, second year in a row. And... Um, to this point, uh, April comes in and she says, here's to Jeremy and three amazing mops in the mid. And at this point, we see Superhands trying to keep Angus in the room, but April's got her back to it. So Mark says he's got a filibuster. He's got to keep April looking at him <laughs> rather than turning around and seeing it. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, he says, um, what I'd like to, yeah, I'll tell you what I'd like to do for Jeremy is to filibuster. And then Mark says, I mean speech. And so now he's left with a speech. And um, we go to the next scene and Joe and Jeremy are talking and Joe is like, you're 40 today? And Jeremy just is like, oh, yeah, apparently. And (laughs) Joe says, but you said you were 38 turning 39. And Jeremy says, did I? Yeah, maybe I forgot. And I think I'm kind of on Jeremy's side here because, like, I have often forgotten how old I am. I think since I've been, like, since after I was 30, these years are starting to... I have to think about it. Like, it doesn't seem like a definite age. So I'm 33 now, but I have to properly think in my head how old am I because could be anywhere between, like, 30 and 35. The, the numbers all seem quite similar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy just says, yeah, 38, 39, 40 in that area. And Joe says, no, you definitely said you were turning 39, the big 3-9. And, uh, but that is also, it's not, it's a big deal. It's whatever. And Joe says, so then why did you lie about it? And Jeremy just says, oh, I didn't lie. I just misspoke. And at this point, Jeremy just comes out with the truth. And he says, sorry, the truth is I'm 40. I don't want to go raving for a week. I want to stay up till about one and then go to bed and then listen to my Mr. Nice audio book. And Joe looks outraged. Bed at one? (laughs) One isn't even the night. He says, it is Joe. He says, I can't rave all day and fuck all night. And honestly... I don't even like drinking my own piss. And Joe says, you drink your own piss. And he's like, yeah, I eat cashews and I drink my own piss and it doesn't work. I'm never going to be young, dumb and full of cum ever again. And that's that. And he says he wants to go with him, but he's just scared he might die. And Joe says, fine then. I'll ask Megan if she wants to come instead. And he walks away and Jeremy says, don't go, Joe. And he says, I think to himself, oh, I've driven him away with my horrible oldness. And he looks over at Megan, who's smiling because she's one. And he thinks, yeah, Megan, yeah. you're 29 now, what but do one th- day you'll be like 56. What do you think Joe is more appalled by? The fact that Jeremy thinks one o'clock is night or <laughs> that he drinks his own piss? <laughs> uh, probably that one o'clock is night because he's such a such a raver that he probably, like, the night's just getting started then. But the piss stuff is pretty disgusting. <laughs> um, I like this where Jeremy looks at Megan and he's like, yeah, you're 29 now, but one day you'll be like, 56 (laughs) (laughs) and um and then the crowd start asking for a speech um and mark and jeremy says to mark he should start so he gets up and he's like quick speech then cruise and he says jeremy what can i say a man i know very well indeed and he thinks to himself that's probably as far as i can truthfully go on the endearment stage (laughs) he says he's not a great man he's not a wise man he's not always a good man but he is a nice man up to a point and i like him um, and he thinks, there, I've said it, I hope he's happy. I love the speech by Mark. Yeah, it's so, it means nothing, but it's so funny. Um, Jez then says that we are quite a gang, us two, gesturing to Mark, brains and the funny one, the old stick up his ass, boring jumper one, and the sexy pep up the party acid in the punch bowl one. We get on pretty well, we have our ups and downs like any couple. Um, and then suddenly Mark sees that Hans is there and he, oh sorry, Jeremy sees that Hans is there and he thinks, oh God, we've got an unattended hostage on our hands. Um, yeah, and he says, I, I have to say, I have to say that in this, this is probably like the most accurate depiction of these two's friendship throughout the entire series. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jeremy says he's a boring bastard at the end of the day, but we've lived together for shit long and it's been all right, which is, yeah, like you say, 
pretty much sums up the this an honest summary summary of their relationship. Uh, Mark realize Mark is then looking and he sees Angus kind of hopping down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, like because he's up. got his legs tied together, uh, and yeah. he thinks, "Oh shit, I've got to keep the attention." Uh, so he says, "If I could just say one more thing, Jeremy." Please always keep on being you. And he thinks to himself, that is totally meaningless. I'm going to get rumbled. And <laughs> Jeremy thinks that is so sweet. That must be, that might be the kindest thing he's ever said to me. <laughs> um, at, at, while all this is going on, we see super hands um, grabbing Angus and like dragging, dragging him back to Jeremy's bedroom. But unfortunately at this point, Angus is able to get out and he just is like, Oi, April, and she turns around and sees Angus, and Mark just starts thinking to himself, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And he's, like, saying, help, don't let them kill me. <laughs> and Superhands is saying, oh, Angus, don't be a big silly. We were just hanging out. It's all fine. And Angus says, he said he was going to cut off my willy and put it in my bottom. Superhands says, jokey. I said it, jokey. Angus, you've got to admit that, right? And then Molly walks in and says, uh, Simon? April walks out and says, what's going on, Mark? And then Jeremy just tries to take the bullet and he says, this has nothing to do with Mark or Superhands. It's all my doing. Yeah, um, he says it's complicated, um, but Angus wanted stuff done to him. I wasn't into it. It's all pretty disgusting. I don't want to go into details. We'll probably never understand it like Stonehenge. <laughs> um, Angus points out that Mark knew, Mark saw it all. They got they got him outside of the travel agency at this point molly like storms out and superhand chases after her and he's like molly molly and mark is like oh my god who could have possibly predicted that falsely imprisoning a love rival would turn out so badly <laughs> only a genius april uh, then kind of storms out and mark is saying to her you know like april please don't go please don't go and then but he is remiss this is a real night to remember just like the titanic yeah, uh, Superhands then comes in and says it's all over with Molly. Pro apparently he's not even allowed to do a fucking novelty kidnap, so bollocks to it. I'm going to van it to Macedonia and finally set up the moped rental layers. And that is the end of Superhands. That is the last we see of him. Yeah, which this, I think at this point was when I realised like, oh shit, this is real. Yeah, like, this is really ended now. And I just love that that's what... That's what Superhands is going to do sort of in retirement. That's a great job for him. Maybe him and Pedge just go <laughs> off together. Yeah. Um, and then we see Mark and Jeremy sitting on the sofa. Yep. Or Jeremy's yep. laying on the sofa actually with a blanket over him and Mark's sitting in the armchair. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there. Um, Jeremy just looks at Mark and says... Are we going to be all right? And Mark is watching a TV show and you hear the announcer in the back and it just says, the project to reintroduce wolves into the habitat has been controversial. And Mark just says, oh, that's the next, that's the last thing I need. Now they're bringing back wolves and Jeremy is still tired. Yeah, he's Mark says, so what's tired. next? Bring back smallpox? <laughs> we all had fun with smallpox, didn't we? Is it time smallpox had a reboot? And then Jeremy just says, Mark... Will you pull me off? <laughs> and Mark just says, I'm not about to pull you off, Jeremy. And if you think, and if about, you think it. about it, I'm sure you don't really want me to. And Jeremy says, sure, whatever. He just thought it might be comforting. 
And he says, what about if I read to you from Napoleon's... I'm sorry, Mark says, what about if I read to you from Napoleon's correspondence? And Jeremy seems to quite like that idea. And he says, if I was going to kill you, I'd have a great sign-off. Um, and Jeremy and Mark says, yeah. And Jeremy says, yeah, you've always loved history, Mark. Well, now you can be part of it. Bang. And Mark says, yeah, not bad, not bad at all. I think I'd just come at you in the night, pillow on the face. And Jeremy says, yeah, that's you all over. And he thinks to himself, oh, we do love each other, really. Yep, and Mark thinks to himself, uh, we simply must get rid of him. And, <laughs> and it's the, the perspective, the final perspective we see is not it's not anyone's perspective, it's our perspective as the audience. So it made me think maybe we were the peepers all, al- all along in Peep Show. Yeah, crazy. Mm. And with that, we get flagpole sitter, and that's it. We're done. That's it forever. Um, I... So the the wolf reference, I think, is a, an allusion to Wiffnow and I, which I don't think you've seen. I think I've talked about this before, but that I really enjoyed the wolves and like the idea of the wolves being reintroduced and that sort of that allusion to Wiffnow and I. And I like the idea that they are sort of like a a less dysfunctional Wiffnow and I. Like they can't really function without each other, and we we know that, and we leave the series knowing that. Whatever happens, really, they'll always be together. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think and, they're uh, doing now? I'm assuming the same shit. You think? You think it's just continued, like, as it was? There'll be a new April. There'll be a new crisis. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, like, a new April, a new crisis, <laughs> a new thing for Jeremy to be upset about. I tend to agree with you, I have to say. We, um... We had a bit of, of feedback, and I can't remember who it was, but someone said they hoped that that they ended up with custody of little Ian because Sophie couldn't cope, which I thought was like a really nice idea. Although I think they'd absolutely fuck up little Ian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, oh, here it was. It was. It was. Uh, oh, it was Michael. It was our friend Michael um, on Twitter who said that he really liked how it ended, but. Um, he says they've learnt nothing and gone nowhere despite every opportunity. I like to think Mark and Jez are raising little Ian together because Sophie couldn't cope, which, yeah, that's a great idea. I like that. Yeah, but I mean, I think between Mark and Jeremy, they could they could make a child turn out okay. Yeah, they probably, it probably wouldn't be too bad. Um, it just, uh, I just think that it, made, it can't be any worse than what Sophie's doing, can it? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, she's like basically a drunk that just, you know, has a different <laughs> boyfriend every few months. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know. I was, um, so a few people got in touch with us to tell us what their favourites were, their top five. So um, Claire, friend of the show, Claire, got in touch to say that her favourite uh, one was the interview. Um, and her other four were Mark Makes a Friend, Jeremy Makes It, Durian and Shroomin, which I think are all fine choices. Do you like um, chocolate? I did like my chocolate. Hello. I'm nearly finished. Can you go downstairs? I'll be down in a minute. Yeah. I like the little red dogs. Yeah, they look nice on the wall, don't they? Yeah. I put some on the <laughs> edge too, look. Yeah, they're keeping me company while I'm podcasting. Yeah. All right, I'll be down in a minute. Um... Yeah, so I think all fine choices. Definitely, Jeremy makes it is one of my absolute favourites. So I'm glad to see that on her top five. Uh, Michael, again, friend of the show, Michael, um, he chose Warring Factions as his top. No, he didn't. Sorry, he chose Party as his top. No, no, he chose Warring Factions. Oh, did he, he has it in reverse order. He has it in reverse order. Um, and then New Year's Eve, Sophie's parents, Jim and Party, as his top five. Which again, 
All great ones. Hi, yes, Sadie. <laughs> what? How are you? All right, are we done in a minute? Sorry, Sean. Yeah, and then uh, another Sean said that his two favorite episodes are Holiday and Sophie's Parents. Sophie's Parents is a is a great one. Um, I really do love that one. It's one of my ones I go back to when I want to just sort of watch something comforting and laugh. Um, what I really like is that uh, that everybody seems to have like different favorites. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I guess that it's worth asking, although it's putting you on the spot a bit. What's your favorite episode? We know all about mine, but what's your favorite episode out of the fifty-six? Ooh, man! After fifty-four episodes, uh, my favorite man. I don't. I. I really like uh, dance class. I think is really good. Yeah. Um, I think all of series two is like really, really strong. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, series two is my favorite series. The episode that would have been really low on my list until I rewatched it again was university challenge. I like did not remember. And I'm not just saying that cause you're here, but <laughs> I, I had really forgotten how much I liked that episode. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I didn't actually come out on top when I made a list, but I think that list would probably change if I made it again, because you know, it changes as time goes on, but university challenge is definitely up there. And I definitely think that, I don't know. I, I think that even though you only saw April once until series nine, there was a strong feeling that she was like the one that got away. And that's maybe why I was so happy to see her back in series, series nine, because that, you know, like something about her in that episode is, yeah, maybe it's just that she's so like Mark and you think that they could be together. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that probably if I had to do my top five, it would be, um, dance class on the pole. Jeremy makes it, um, Wedding one and wedding two. Yeah, good choices. I would say, definitely. I think wedding one is one of my favourites. I really, really love that one. I just, I love everything about it. I love, I love, I love super hands taking four grams of coke and being absolutely off his face. I love Jeremy dancing on his own for the first dance. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's it's kind of I'm kind of sad right now, Laura. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? It's really strange. Like. Yeah. I um there are some people that I really would like to thank. Go for it. Okay, so first, Laura, thank you for coming into this show. I know uh like a year and a half ago podcasting was like the last thing that you ever thought you were gonna be doing. It definitely was. But yeah. you you have jumped in both feet and have been a wonderful partner, a great friend. You're like one of the only people that's actually legit sent me physical mail in the last two years. So that's always, it's always fun when I get a card from Laura. Um, you know, you just, you like really kind of put your stamp on the show and have really done so much to make it, you know, something that you are proud to be a part of. And so I really appreciate that. Oh, thank, thank well, you thank so you much. For letting me be here. And, oh, God, the kids are killing each other. Thank you for letting me be here and thank you for, for yeah, putting up with having to get up at five in the morning to record sometimes and as a great illustration, my children screaming in the background sometimes. <laughs> um, I also wanted to say thank you to Claire, Michael, Keelan, uh, Lardy from Twitter and then Donnie for your great contributions to the show. Yeah, and, uh, it's so great going on Twitter and seeing when those, you know, when the people are interacting and the people that interact all the time and like 
them enjoying the show and it just like gives me makes me feel warm inside when I see that you know if we've been unable to record for a couple of weeks when people are asking oh is it everything all right when's the next episode going to be and and when people are, are like it seems really weird to me to think because to, to, to a degree I think I kind of don't don't really fully realize that people are listening to us having this chat like in their cars and in their kitchens even though clearly they are and I listen to a lot of podcasts myself so I know how it works but there's something sort of genuinely nice about the idea that people are listening to our little ramblings and enjoying them yeah I think that's been probably one of the things too that has been really interesting to me as well as you know people are like know about our personal lives um or you know as much as anyways as much as we're willing to share um, <laughs> which has sometimes been a lot <laughs> yeah yeah certainly has um but you know it, it's really cool like all the life changes that have we've each kind of gone through in the last year and a half i mean i was like cool hip married guy with no children and now i've got one on the way you know you've your your kids are getting older um, you know, and it's just, it's been really, you know, in some, in some regards, I feel like I'm Mark and Jeremy where I'm still in the same place I was, but, uh, you know, no, I know in like not. You're, you're, four months, you're, your life is about to change. Like you can't even imagine right now. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Oof. Um, and you've moved rooms but, now as well. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. Well, the, the move, the room move happens as soon as this person comes to get our fucking table and she's <laughs> hasn't fucking text messaged me yet is this like an so, ebay gumtree person who is mucking you around oh uh, facebook marketplace and so she said that she was going to trade that she has a baby and that she's got some baby stuff she wants to give away so she was going to trade us some of her baby stuff for our table which of course we're like oh yeah fuck yeah that's a great that's great and I haven't heard from her since yesterday, but I had like 50 people message me about this table. So the table is going to be gone today, but it's I'm just getting today, like, whether it's to her yeah, or someone irritated else. about it. Yeah. No, it's, uh, selling so. on those things is always an absolute pain in the tits. We, uh, we sold a load of stuff in the summer and it was like, for fuck's sake, like don't quibble over this 99 P thing. You've just bought you dickhead. Yeah, if I haven't heard back from her in like 20 minutes, I'm flipping this back to available, <laughs> and then the first person that can get it is just going to come. I'm just going to say, oh, well, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> if um, she doesn't she doesn't get back to me in 20 minutes, I'm fucking burning this table down, and she can have the athletes. Yeah. Um, so I think basically from here, I mean, we're going to continue the show. It's going to have a new name. It's going to have a new logo. I think that we're going to use the same RSS feed. So if you are subscribed to the El Dude Brothers podcast, um, the new one should, it should just flip over to the new one when we start putting those episodes up. Yeah, and same with the social media. I think, you know, we're going to have a new logo, but obviously our Twitter handle is going to be the same. And I think, like, it would be foolhardy to not, because we've got so much, so many people and so much, you know, so much support. Um it'll be a gradual gradual move over i think to those to those things and and you know as we do the new podcast so everything that you already follow and subscribe to is not going to change yeah yeah and uh yeah um i think probably 
what we should do is take next week off so we can start to kind of flip all the switches and do some of the yeah. behind the scenes stuff yeah that sounds good to me and also i've got to go to reading to my friends for lunch which is like fucking miles away on sunday so that'd be that'd be useful to have a break so that we can go to reading um but the, yeah. ne- but the next week that sounds sounds great to jump in i can't wait to talk about the inbetweeners i know you've watched season one already but there's just it's 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 brilliant in quite a different way to Peep Show, but it's still brilliant. And I'm really excited for you to see some of these for the first time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And, uh, you know, I know that, you know, my cousin Bethany, her husband, Kieran, he like loves the show and, you know, says that the show really spoke to him quite a bit when he was in, in school. So I imagine that probably this show in some it will speak to me in like completely different ways than peep show did i think if you despite even not being british if you've ever been to school you will completely get this like if you've ever been a teenager if you've ever known teenagers that you will completely understand this no i mean just the first episode alone i i could was like oh wow this is like kind of resonating with me quite a bit (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and also i think because the five main characters four main characters are there four or five of them Four, I think there's four. four main characters are also different. Everyone identifies with someone in that group, and like everyone has known those other characters. Definitely, the hard part for me is going to be to keep out all these goddamn names straight. Yes, yeah, it's a bit confusing. There are quite a few names, but you'll you'll get used to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, well. well it's over baby it's over baby yeah are we gonna be all right i think we're gonna be fine yeah i think so too (laughs) so again thank you so so much thank you guys so so much uh you know for everything thank you for all the people that have ever listened to the show all the people that have tweeted us all the people that have you know sent us feedback like we just we really appreciate everything we do we definitely do and um can't wait to take the next step on the journey and hear what you think about the in us. so we will yeah. be back yeah not it will be recording not next weekend but the weekend after which must be the first weekend in october is it yep october 7th yeah so we will be back then um and talk about the in us. so look forward to it with that yes for the final time are you ready? Yeah, ready. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,